You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on all the cool upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, Kyle? Doing good. We may have a long way to go before we get to Episode Nine in a new Star Wars movie, but we're just right around the corner for a new Star Wars TV show. So excited to talk about that Resistance trailer, finally, what we could expect from Star Wars on TV. So good to be back talking on a new episode. Yeah, it's uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, we've got the Resistance trailer. We've got man potentially Mandos coming in. I mean, we've got like we've got crazy stuff going on. Yeah, definitely. We got some uh, some episode nine stuff, some live action TV show stuff, some Battlefront stuff, which is always fun for the three of us to get into. Um, but yeah, let's uh, jump right into it. And I know we normally start with the movie news first, but I think probably the biggest uh, sort of item uh, that's come out since our last episode has to be the trailer for Star Wars Resistance. So let's just go ahead and start off with that. Um So we finally got our first look at that. I remember talking about it on our last episode, and we were surprised that, you know, the show is supposed to be coming out in October, um, and we hadn't seen anything for it yet. Um, And sure enough, now we're here on our next episode, and we finally got our first trailer for it. Um, And it has been polarizing, to say the least, uh, just seeing people's reactions to this. But I don't know. Um, Who wants to go first? Let's just kind of give our our thoughts and initial reactions on seeing the first footage from this. Tim, you want to jump in first? Yeah. um, Yeah, like you said, definitely just great to finally get a real good look at it because we got the teaser logo and then we got those, you know, or those photographs showing the character posters from like a Disney presentation that wasn't the best quality but kind of gave us an idea of what the show would look like. So just right off the bat, just great to finally know what this series is going to look like and give us a better feel to what it's going to be about. And right off the bat, after seeing the trailer, I really love the art style for it. That's probably my biggest uh, takeaway from the new trailer is just visually it's unique. It's a unique departure from Rebels and Clone Wars, definitely. But I really like what they're going for that. It's still, you know, a CG animated show, but it's being rendered in like to look like a 2D type art style. It's more like that cel shaded look. But I really like how it looks. It's very vibrant. The colors stand out on 
the locations and the characters. So it's definitely different from Clone Wars and Rebels, but I'm liking that they're doing something different in how it looks. It reminds me like a really good looking cell shaded video game. And I remember even saying once we got that first logo teaser with, uh, with BB-8 on, they reminded me of the Legend of Zelda game, The Wind Waker, which was a heavily cell shaded game. And to me, it's seeing the full trailer has that look to it as well. So I'm, I'm digging the look of it. And, you know, this is our first uh, look at also the new characters we're going to be seeing in the show. And this is where it kind of kind of got me in. A, I don't want to say it too much of a negative, but one thing that I was hoping wouldn't happen in the series looks to be happening in Star Wars Resistance. Because when we got those, like, I remember, see, I forget it was like a reporter for when it came out about the different character descriptions and as far as like the actors that were playing them and we got the announcements about the main character cause who were got to see heavily in this trailer and even before we saw anything or knew anything about the main character for the show i said right at the get-go i'm hoping they do something that's a little different than the typical cocky over eager character who thinks he can do it all but then has to you know be humbled a little bit and show that you know, he can do what needs to be done eventually. But we've seen that a lot already. And, you know, not just Star Wars, but in other uh, genre-driven, you know, hero-telling stories. Um, but specifically with Star Wars animation, we kind of seen that with Ahsoka. We've seen it with Ezra. And I kind of wanted something different for the main character in Resistance. But in the trailer, it looks like that's not going to be the case with Kaz. Because that's probably my nitpick about the trailer is just how we're getting another main hero that's like that. I mean, just hearing his dialogue in the trailer, it's really proving to be that, yeah, he's going to be one of those cocky, over-eager you know, pilots who wants to show he's the best and can do it all, but then there'll be something that happens at the point in the series where he fails and he has to be taken down a step and work that way back up, or work his way back up. Because um, even right off the bat in the beginning where Poe tells him, he has a mission from the start excitement is like yes it was just so over exaggerated and then where he there's a bit of dialogue he says we're like wait i forget exactly what he says but he says something to the effect is like like look how awesome i can be or look how amazing i'm gonna be like this that character trope just seems to be overdone to me and i was hoping they do something different and it doesn't look to be the case and i know the series is being obviously when the look at the trailers is aiming towards a younger audience which I think is is fine, and <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into. But that's been uh, some of the point of contention about this series from some fandom part of fandom out there. But that wasn't a big issue for me. Is not that it's looking to be skewing towards a more younger audience. It's just that they're doing a familiar character trope with their main hero in this one. Which I, when I was hoping for something different. So that was my pretty much my only disappointment about it. Because like I said, visually it looks awesome. The ship designs look really cool. I think this art style and with the ship designs they have shown in this trailer we're going to get some really cool you know either space battles or just flying sequences in the series because a big portion of the show is going to be about them doing these races on uh, this planet or this station called colossus and we're going to do like these races do these rings uh that they're going to you know different take of pod racing <laughs> where it's not pod racing but it's good to see another type of racing out there in the star wars universe where it's going to be in the skies instead of on the ground like pod racing is so in the end i'm still excited for this series Obviously, I'm going to watch it no matter what as a Star Wars fan. Um, visually, like I said, it looks great. I was just hoping for something a little different with its main hero. But if Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars has taught us everything or anything, it's that the main characters that are introduced go through major growth and their character arcs end up 
uh, being something really, really great once they get to the end, as we saw with Ahsoka and even uh, Ezra by the time Rebels finished and where his character arc led him. So um, might not be feeling the main character cause too much right now, but at the same time, I'm not going to feel like he's, he's a character that doesn't have the chance to improve and maybe become a character that I grow to love just like I did Ahsoka with Clone Wars. And then Ezra, not quite on the level of Ahsoka for me, but he's a character I did end up enjoying more as the series got to season four. So here's hoping the same with Resistance. But overall, uh, I think it's looking really good. I just can't wait to see the first few episodes when it airs in October. Yeah, what I was thinking about the show, as we all know before, if you listen to the last episode, I was not too hot on the series, mainly because we hadn't seen much about it. And just what I was hearing about it and just knowing that it was going for a younger audience and all that stuff just didn't leave me. It, it left much to be desired for me. And I don't mind things being targeted for kids because obviously Rebels was definitely a little more kid friendly than Clone Wars was, at least what Clone Wars turned into eventually, which was not, I would say, aimed at kids, but more just kind of a general audience, which the broadness of that made it you could tell a lot of different stories with that. Rebels never got to that point, and I think it's because it was on Disney XD. Um, we also talked about how the new streaming services, you can kind of get away with a little bit more uh, with that, you know, in the future. With Clone Wars going back to the streaming service, that's, you know, probably we're going to get a little more broader audience. That means we're not going to send a get something that's aimed at kids. And when the trailer dropped, I just, you know, like I said last time, I want to be excited about this i want to be happy uh for it and to watch it and everything and i'm gonna watch it there's no no doubt about that so when the trailer dropped i was very much like okay i hate to say this but i was very much like all right impress me <laughs> you know i'm like that's not exactly a good thing to say but uh that's what happened i kind of said that out loud to myself i'm like all right disney uh, impress me and to be honest it did i actually really liked the animation a lot it felt one of, one of the things I liked about it is it didn't feel like it was Rebels. It, it didn't feel like it was Clone Wars. And it's mm. very obvious, but I like that. I like the idea that this is a totally different idea than we were doing before. I mean, Rebels definitely felt a little Clone Wars at times. I would say, it, you know, because it was in 3D animation. Um, they're kind of picking up, you know, Dave Filoni kind of picked up the reins a little bit. This is, you know, 2D and 3D literally mixed together. And it's, I like the combo. I really do. I first thought kind of was like, how is this going to work? Because they said it was in 2D, but then they also talked about it being in 3D. And I didn't really understand what that meant. Now I'm like, okay, I get what they're going for. And I really like the animation a lot. I know that's been kind of a decisive thing for a lot of people online, but it worked for me. I, I had no problem with the animation whatsoever. In fact, if it means we, you know, we're going to get more, uh, more exotic planets because it's a, it's a lot, not as expensive animation, then this is a, this would be a fine, um, compromise to me, to be honest. So I'm hoping they kind of go different places, but I guess starting from the specifics of the trailer, I love the ship designs, all the designs of the ships, the Colossus, Everything looked just fantastic. I, I was kind of taken aback by how good they all looked. And and, and I, th I thought the ship was cool on the main, um, on the main, uh, whatever, the press release of the logo or whatever. It looked cool. And that was the one thing I liked about it. But, man, seeing these 
all these other designs in the show, I'm like, whoa, this is really, really good. Like, these are some of the best ship designs we've gotten in the Disney era already. I mean, <laughs> and I've seen like two minutes of a trailer. So I'm really excited what they're going to do with this. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I think this is how they're going to get away with not having um, lightsabers and blasters and things like that. And aimed at a, a even more, uh, younger audience is having them be in ships and firing at each other. Like, I feel like that's the, going to be the compromise because you can blow up their ship and they they can eject out and be okay which they do that in rebels still too yeah. but and I if you notice too like i said colossus it's over a large scale of water so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah which may also help with the budget so yeah ev- everything about it to me looks like you know they're trying to be i like the racing aspect everything looks cool about it though i mean it felt star wars to me it never it never felt like it was a cheap imitation of Star Wars, which that is something we're all worried about with these these shows we're getting and all anything new Star Wars. We're always worried that it's going to look like a cheap imitation. And I think for the most part, Disney, at least from the TV um, and uh, uh, movie aspect so far, has done told, has been 100% fine. Nothing looks cheap and uh, cheap imitation from what we got before. Some of the comic stuff, I'd say, some of the designs are kind of lazy, and I would say, in my opinion, not my favorite, and they definitely look like cheap imitations, but they also have way less time to do this stuff, whereas, you know, Resistance is developing these shows, and or Lucasfilm is developing the Resistance and all that to design, and they're working on these things, and comic artists literally have, like, a short window to belt out a design and keep it going. So you're not going to get designs are always going to be hit and miss in comic books. Whereas I think mostly in film TV, the development process is going to be a lot better. So you're going to have a better product for the most part. No, it's all subjective of course, but I'd say for the most part, more people are going to be drawn towards those designs opposed to the complete ones because of that reason. So I guess wrapping up my thoughts about it, I I'm really looking forward to it. I, I loved everything like you, Tim. I totally get why you would say that it was a, the, the main character seems like a trope that needs to die out a little bit, but at the same time, it's look again, it's the audience that they're going for. They're trying to teach, you know, have kids identify with someone that's eager because all kids are eager. All kids are excited. And he, you know, obviously is that kid like Ezra was and Ahsoka was. And I, and when you're aiming at a young audience, you got to connect with them. I mean, and, and I don't, not, not, I'm not saying either that they have to do that and they should do that, but that's, I can see whether it's Disney, if it's Lucas, maybe he would do something different, but it's not Lucas. This is a boardroom of people and Dave Filoni and, you know, they have to make sure that, that this product's going to be successful. So they go to what works, which is the overeager protagonist. So, yeah, and I totally get that, too. I understand why they're doing it. But even as a little kid, I never took to the characters that were like same. that in the cartoon shows that I would watch. So, right, I mean, right. Like when Ninja Turtles was on in 87, Leonardo was always my favorite character. And it was like, he's like the boring turtle. Like, no one's like, <laughs> yeah. well, no, he's nobody's favorite, but he was mine. So, because he was kind he of was like that too. even keel. Yeah. <laughs> he was my, yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I liked his leadership qualities. I liked that he was kind of like the the boss of them all. I've always liked Leo for whatever reason, for that, you know, for that reason. So, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I, I agree. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Like, Oh yeah, you have to do that. No, I think it's just a safe way to do it. Knowing that it works. Most kids will, most kids will connect with it. 
Um, so that's why they're going with it. And I, I get it, but, but yeah, I, I'm actually way, I'm very turned around about the series. I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more. I'm just, and to be honest, it's the ships. The ships have, have won me over completely. I want to see them in action and I can't wait to see them in action. So this, and I, I'm curious what you guys think of Are these the best ship designs? Like since Disney took over? Cause seriously, the, the little we've seen, I'm, I'm 100% in. See, that's. Interesting. Like, I I don't know. I definitely like the look and feel of the show. Um, and I'll just kind of give my overall thoughts on it. But I'm maybe not quite as hyped about the ship designs as you guys are. Um, but to start off, I mean, like both you guys said, I love the animation and the art style. Um, that, you know, cel-shaded animation where it's like the 3D models, but it's kind of lit and textured like a 2D show. And so it kind of has that look of like a 2D cartoon, but with more like 3D movement and depth to it. I think that's really cool. I know they said they were going for an anime inspired look, but to me, it really is reminiscent of like early 2000s Disney animation. Um, like, mm. uh, and I know the, some of these are like not some of their most popular movies, but like Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Treasure Planet. Uh, I love those movies, especially Treasure Planet. That's like a hidden gem. Like, that's the most underrated. I've never seen it. That's the most yeah, underrated. Yeah, so i got to watch those two movies. I've never seen those. Atlantis is okay. I loved that one as a kid, and I watched it on Netflix years later. And it's got some really cool visuals and action, but it's kind of light on story. Um, but Treasure Planet is a is a gem, in my opinion. You guys should go watch that. And it's the animation style is really cool, too. And it's, it's similar to what this Resistance is looking like. Like, all the characters are 2D, but a lot of, like, the ships and the planets and environments and stuff have 3D elements to them. Um, so it's, it's kind of that same like blend of 2d and 3d animation that you're seeing here. So for that reason, just watching this, the trailer for resistance, I was thinking this definitely is the most Disney looking thing that they've ever done with star Wars since they took over. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm okay with it being aimed at a younger audience. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even okay with the eager protagonist, like, you know, that character that the kids can relate to, because if the past shows have taught us anything like it's going to get better from here. They're going to grow and evolve and yeah. all that kind of thing. But even, I mean, I don't think that, uh, Kaz is like going to be in a, a carbon copy of just Ahsoka and Ezra, because I think even those characters were different in, um, sort of their motivations and, and, uh, just the way they acted and stuff. Like I just rewatched the first couple episodes of, uh, rebels and it's interesting to see, like, even though you think of Ezra as, like, the young, um, you know, the, the hot shot or the overconfident one that wants to jump right into it. In the first couple episodes of Rebels, he wants nothing to do with them. You know, he he tries to steal stuff from the ghost crew and ends up just kind of getting caught up in this adventure with them. And he, you know, wants to go home and just get away from these guys. Um, and Zeb kind of wants him gone and, you know, but Kanan and Hera are like, there's something special about this kid. And it's only when he opens that holocron and sees Obi-Wan's message and sees Kanan's lightsaber and Kanan tells him about the force and, you know, gives him that choice that, you know, Hey, you've got this power too, and you can walk away and go back to your life of stealing stuff on Lothal, or you can come with us and I can train you as a Jedi and you can be part of something bigger. Um, that's when that you know, that eagerness and that thirst for adventure first kind of kicks in. But um, he definitely does not start out as like the the one that's eager and cocky and wanting to jump into things. I mean, he's cocky to the sense that like he's sure of himself. Um, 
but he definitely is not like, oh, yes, we get to go on a mission and fight stormtroopers. He's like, man, I just want to go home and, you know, go back to my life. Um, and then with Ahsoka, obviously, she's caught up in this big war and wants to prove herself to the Jedi and prove that she's not too young to be Anakin's Padawan and that she can handle it. So she, I think, is very eager, but in the sense that, like, she's eager to prove herself. Um, and so I think, and we'll see more what Kaz's... Um, motivations and stuff end up being as the show progresses because i mean we've only seen a minute of footage so far um but i'm guessing he's going to be more eager to sort of join this movement of the resistance and sort of become part of something bigger and we'll find out more about his backstory and uh you know where he comes from and his reasons for joining up with them and everything um but again just even though we've kind of seen that trope of like the eager young protagonist before i think just his unadulterated like exuberance like yes we got a mission and i gotta go fly ships and stuff like i could see how that could kind of be annoying but it's also almost refreshing like we haven't really at least in my opinion we haven't seen quite that level of enthusiasm so um i don't know we'll see and i think it's gonna fit the whole tone that they're going for with you know the fast-paced action and the racing ships and all that kind of stuff um also i think like obvious it's pretty obvious to me that all the stuff we see in this trailer is going to be from the first episode or maybe the first couple episodes um yeah. and so for people that think this looks you know just too childish or whatever um i would say you know give it a chance through the first season because if this star wars animation has taught us anything it's that you may think that the whole series is going to be one thing um and they always throw curveballs at you and surprise mm -hmm. you with the the guest characters that they bring in, the places that they take these characters to, the interesting story elements that they incorporate into it. Um, so I, my hope for this is that it's just, you know, yet another series that at first maybe seems aimed at a young audience that, you know, you might not be for everybody. And then the more they get into it, um, the more it's going to really start feeling like Star Wars and have more things to draw on the older crowd, too. Because if you think about it, Clone Wars and Rebels were both the same way. And I know Clone Wars is held to this really high standard as, like, the pinnacle of Star Wars animation. And every time, uh, you know, so Rebels or Resistance or Forces of Destiny comes out, everybody's like, oh, this is, you know, kitty garbage. I'm going back to watching Clone Wars. At the beginning of Clone Wars, not everybody loved it either. You know, the Clone yep. <laughs> Wars movie has like a 20% score on Rotten Tomatoes. And then, you know, the first season you had a bunch of episodes with Jar Jar and battle droids doing stupid stuff for laughs. And, um, you know, it, it definitely, I think, was a good first season, but it definitely had some some bumps in the road and some challenges to overcome. Um, and then you look at where they got to by season three or four, and it was just exponentially better um, and then Rebels was kind of the same way. I would I would honestly say that Rebels maybe started off a little bit better than Clone Wars did, or at least a little bit smoother, um, you know, without so many bumps in the road. And then I would say by the end of it, it maybe didn't reach the same heights that Clone Wars did in, like, season five, but um, still was may, may a lot... May I cut in for a moment? Yeah, well, I'm just saying it, it was... I think Rebels 2 was better than where it ended, so I think we can probably expect the same from Resistance as well. No, I think you're right, and I think that's a great point to say that Clone Wars and, and, and probably got off to a better start than, or excuse me, Rebels got off to a better start than, than Clone Wars did, and I feel like they both kind of had the opposite happen to them, whereas Clone Wars kind of got better as it went on and got more of an audience as it went on, 
And I feel Rebels started off strong and then it kind of lost people as it went on. Um, Cause I know a lot of people stopped watching it, at least people that on Twitter. And I know it was, it was still a successful show, but it definitely had that like, just didn't have as much of a following as I feel Clone Wars did when I, you know, when I jumped on and I feel Clone Wars had, you know, a totally different, you know, thing going against it because it was the only thing Star Wars going on at the time, whereas Rebels was the first of, you know, get in line of how many things are coming through. So, but that being said, um, you, you bring up a great point that, that they're basically kind of started off the same as far as like their audience structure is. And they both went in kind of different directions. Whereas I think, I think rebels stayed the course, whereas Clone Wars, again, it became more broad and, and George gave it more freedom to do that, which I'm all about having more freedom, creativity, uh, create, creative, creative wise, which I know you would too. I don't, I don't think you argue that as well. well. I don't know that I would agree with that necessarily though, just because with rebels, I mean, I, I can maybe see where you're go- getting that, that like by the end of the show, it was maybe a little more similar to its first season than say Clone Wars was like, if you compare exactly season six, to yeah, season that's one. what I'm saying. But nonetheless, I mean, the, the rebels matured so much. I feel like, I mean, you go back to season one with Ezra and Zeb, you know, fighting and punching stormtroopers and just, you know, making jokes and stuff. Um, and you go to season six with, you know, Kanan sacrificing himself and the Loth Wolves and Thrawn and, you know, all this like much more serious stuff going on. Um, again, I just think it's, it's a lot more, it it gets a lot more mature and a lot more kind of serious, um, as it progresses, same as with Clone Wars did. Now Rebels never got to the point where you had, uh, you know, Maul decapitating people. Um, you know, I think Rebels stayed maybe aimed at a little bit younger audience but i would say definitely the later seasons it still had a lot of stuff that could appeal to um you know a more general audience of star wars fans now i don't know if resistance is going to get to that point um you know there certainly doesn't seem to be any indication of that that in this trailer but again we're seeing one minute of footage from probably just the first episode so even if you have doubts based on just this trailer for the naysayers out there i would say just look at the track record of star wars animation trust in dave filoni and the people working on this because even if you are one of those people that hates kathleen kennedy and ryan johnson and you know like dave filoni is still behind the scenes working on on resistance just like he was with clone wars and with rebels and he has maybe the most solid track record of putting out quality star wars content of anybody working at lucasfilm right now um so he's not working on it he's he created the show he's not actively working on oh i know and i know he's not as involved with it as uh you know he's not like the supervising director like he was on clone wars but i still think he's going to be a a guiding influence on this oh for Um, sure for sure Yeah, and so, and it makes me wonder, too, like, obviously, we know they're working on more Clone Wars episodes for next year, um, and they have Resistance that clearly is, you know, targeted at a little bit of a younger crowd. I wonder if they maybe could still have something else in the pipeline, I mean, maybe for next year, or maybe that they would announce, like, after those Clone Wars episodes come out, if they, you know, maybe would be working on another series that would be exclusive to the streaming service that's targeted more at a little bit older viewers, you know, something to kind of take that place of Clone Wars because they know like how successful Clone Wars has been and how much the fans loved that. Um, 
And I still would love to see another animated series set in between episode six and seven, but set closer to episode six and pick up that storyline from Rebels of uh, Ahsoka and Sabine going off to find Ezra and Thrawn and, uh, you know, seeing some of that kind of stuff. So um, who knows? You know, there's still a lot of possibilities of other stuff they could do after this. But, um, you know, focusing just on Resistance for now, like, um, yeah, again, just the, the track record of the, the animation stuff that they've done so far. I am more than willing to give this a chance. I mean, it didn't blow me away necessarily. You know, this trailer, I'm not like, oh, yes, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait till this comes out. But I'm like, you know, it looks fun. Um, again, like I said, it's it's got a very Disney-ish kind of feel to it. It's like when you watch a trailer for a Disney movie that clearly is targeted at kids, but you know that as an older viewer, you're probably going to get some enjoyment out of that too. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to give it a chance. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, the show can grow and evolve in a lot of really cool directions, just like Clone Wars and Rebels did before it. Um, because also, I mean, I like the kind of style of what they're going for with the action and how it's more focused on like ship racing and stuff like that. Um, but just given like the characters and the time period and stuff that this is set in, I don't want to just watch you know, like the, the sequel era or the sequel trilogy equivalent of pod racing, like every episode, like, I hope we get to get into some space battles and see Poe and his X-Wing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and actually get some of these resistance fighters, you know, going after TIE fighters and stuff like that. Um, I think this will be fun, like for the first couple episodes to focus on, but then again, I hope they branch off into, you know, other activities and other stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be fun. And then just talking about the ship design. See, I think that's my, maybe not gripe. Like one thing that did kind of stick out to me, there's one ship and I think it's maybe uh, the scene where he's racing with that girl that, you know, is kind of looking at him from the cockpit or whatever. Um, but it's that one ship that's very sleek and like, like red and white. And it yeah. is clearly an homage to like the car from Speed Racer. Um, which is kind of cool, but also like a little too on the nose for my taste. Again, just oh. knowing that they wanted to make this like anime inspired. It's like, okay, yeah, we get it. There's like a clear homage to a classic anime in here. Um, I wanted to see it maybe look a little more Star Wars. Um, so I don't know. I think I might take, it might take me a little more time just to get used to those designs. Like it's, I like that they're doing new stuff. Let me just throw that out there. Um, some of these designs are so new that it's like, it doesn't necessarily have like a, oh, that's really cool. Like that feels like Star Wars kind of feel to me. It's like, oh, okay. That's something new and different, which is something that I have been wanting them to do a lot with like ship designs and stuff, uh, ever since, you know, the force awakens came out and we just got more X-Wings and TIE fighters. So I am glad they're doing new stuff. I think I'm just going to have to see more of it actually on screen and take some time to, to get used to it before I really love it. Um, but again, I, I think it's cool that they're doing new stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I have positive impressions from this. Um, again, didn't, you know, blow me away, but definitely more good than bad in my opinion. Um, and I love the visual style and all that. Um, but clearly, you know, the three of us, it seems like we're, kind of in the minority as far as people who are actually looking forward to this or who like the trailer, at least if the uh, the comment section on the YouTube page for the trailer is any indication, um, which you always got to kind of take that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. But look, like as it stands right now, I think 
the trailer for Resistance has like 11,000 likes on YouTube and like 80,000 dislikes or something like that. Um, which again is, especially with the current state of Star Wars, it's just something that could be an indication, but you also just have to take with a healthy dose of skepticism because a lot of the people that are going and disliking this, it's like, is it really because it looks bad or are you still just bitter over The Last Jedi or, you know, are these just the fans that are mad at, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and don't like the new Disney version of Star Wars and all this kind of stuff? And, like, look, if you don't like the animation style and it's just not your cup of tea, that's fine. If you don't like that it seems so targeted at kids and, you know, you're an older fan and you're like, oh, this doesn't look like it's for me, that's totally fine. Like, not everything that they put out is going to be for everybody. I mean, same with Forces of Destiny. Um, you know, look, I'll be honest, like, it's been a while since I've watched any of the new episodes they've put out for Forces of Destiny, and I keep meaning to go back and catch up on those, but, like, it's just not really for me. Um, but I don't go on every episode and dislike it and trash it in the comments section, which people seem, you know, bent on doing for resistance. So it's kind of hard to gauge like how the general fan base really feels about this as opposed to, uh, you know, just those people that like being negative about stuff that, you know, they think isn't really targeted specifically at them or who just feel like venting frustration at, at Disney and, uh, and at Kathleen Kennedy and stuff over kind of the current state of things. So I don't know. I hope the show does well. Um, I hope we watch it and it's turns out to be really good and I hope it surprises people and, uh, you know, kind of gains traction and gets a lot of fans. The, the one thing on the flip side that is kind of mind boggling for me, um, you know, we've talked about how this seems to be so targeted at younger fans. The, premiere date for the first episode it's airing on october 7th on disney channel at 10 p.m which i'm like <laughs> you know you sit through this trailer and go oh this you know looks like it's for kids but i think it'll be fun like i want to watch it too but and then you see the time that it's airing and it's like all the kids that you know you seem to be targeting with the stuff you just showed me are going to be in bed by the time this comes on like what are they doing i don't know um so that's one thing that leaves me scratching my head a little bit and makes me, like, a little bit worried about this. I'm like, is Disney, like, not really giving this a chance? Or are they assuming that, like, because it's Star Wars, they can kind of just bury it at the bottom of their lineup and that people will find a way to watch it anyways and people will find out about it anyways just because it's Star Wars and, you know, they'll get, like, the repeat views the next day online or whatever. Um, I don't know what's up with that, but it is one thing that makes me kind of have a little bit of a bad feeling about this like i don't know does disney not have faith in this show and they're like not really giving it a chance or you know i don't know um well, to oh. me i just took it as you see i don't remember the exact time but when rebels premiered it was i believe because is that like they build it as like a sunday movie special was the for the first two episodes of rebels and they have the right. extended footage with darth vader i believe that was on a similar time maybe it was like at nine or something like that so I just kind of took it that they're kind of following suit, that this is what they're going to do for new Star Wars TV shows that are going to premiere on network television, have it be it on a Sunday at in the evening. But maybe this one is a little later. Yeah, that is a little puzzling, just for the reasons you said, looking at the trailer and seeing how much it's geared towards a younger audience. So and I'm sure it's going to have plenty of repeated air times, too. It'll probably be airing like maybe the next day or something like that. But So maybe this is kind of their way of them thinking that you know the hardcore star wars fans are gonna watch it 
and let's put it at Sunday primetime or is 10 p.m. still considered primetime anymore? <laughs> I don't, I don't even think know, so. Because, again, that's so, so late. And, I mean, so, yeah, the 7th is a Sunday. But, again, for kids, like, that's a school night. I could understand it a little bit more if too, it was, yeah. like, a Friday or Saturday night. But, um, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking with that. But I hope it doesn't come back to bite them in the butt. Yeah, it wasn't – I don't – I think it says it's um, 7 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock – or yeah, it's, it's it's seven o'clock Eastern, I think, is what, and then ten o'clock Pacific time. But I think it, you know, does a rebroadcast at like um, whatever. It, it, I don't think it's or no, I'm excuse, I got it backwards. I apologize. It's seven o'clock Pacific uh, Pacific time, but it's ten o'clock Eastern time. So it's it's only coming out at seven o'clock strictly uh, of our time, essentially. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're if you're two hours behind us yet or not, but. But yeah, oh, no, like I'm it's still not, on the same time as you guys right now. Right. So, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not, it's coming out the same time, but it's not going to have an earlier time slot. It's going to be at 10 o'clock on the East Coast, which is weird that they would do that. But, you know, or they would maybe make it like a little bit earlier for the East Coast time, but they're pretty much just aiming at seven o'clock prime time starting at uh, the Pacific time. So that which I thought was interesting that they're just, nope, it's going to be here this, you know, specifically. So. Yeah, it is puzzling no matter <laughs> way you look at it. At 10 o'clock. Well, actually, no. So on the – and, Paul, I don't know where you were seeing that, but on the press release on StarWars.com, it actually specifically says 10 p.m. Eastern time and Pacific time. Okay. Okay. My bad. My bad. And I guess so, that kind of depends on, like, your cable provider too because for me, I have DirecTV and I – get the east coast broadcast but yet it's that specific time so i'll probably be able to watch it at 7 p.m but i know there are other cable providers it'll be you know that 10 p.m time for on pacific coast too so yeah it just kind of depends on how your cable provider works for it yeah i don't know um yeah. well we're gonna watch it that day no matter what but oh <laughs> like yeah for sure i'm gonna wait till like next week probably <laughs> you know, to watch it yeah but oh just going back to what you were saying Kind of about all the negative reaction toward it and like all the dislikes it has on YouTube. It's just, it's just getting more and more frustrating for me seeing all that type of stuff for Star Wars because you know it's a lot of it's just like you said the angry older fans who are just trolling and gonna dislike it no matter what. And I'm sure all those dislike clicks and comments were hit and made before they even watched the trailer. Like they probably paused it, did the dislike, closed it out, something like that because. It's just the automatic thing to do now for some of these type of people who consider themselves Star Wars fans still just to hate on everything. And it's just mm -hmm. got to let go of that. Like you said, not every Star Wars content coming out is going to be for, you know, us older adult fans. I mean, you still got to cater towards the younger audience. And if anything, we should just be thankful that, you know, we get in Star Wars resistance. And as diehard Star Wars fans, we're going to watch it, even though it is looking more towards for the younger audience. But guess what? We got new Clone Wars stuff coming, mm -hmm. too. I mean... How much can you complain about when we got that? So it's just good that you can have the best of both worlds. We're getting new Clone Wars. They're going to be a new series that's going to be geared towards a younger audience. Get them into Star Wars and get new fans. Because that's what it's all about with this, these new series, especially on the animated front. Bringing in new fans. And if Resistance does that, just like Clone Wars and Rebels did, then it's going to be a success in my book if it brings any new fans, which I'm sure it will. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that this whole aspect of fan was just really getting tiring to see online every time there's new star wars content that comes out it's just really really frustrating but yeah and also to go back what we're talking about how it can get you know better as it progresses throughout its seasons and we'll see how long it lasts but 
I would even say, too, that could even apply to the latter half of the first season because, you know, with Star Wars animation, even going back to Clone Wars and Rebels, all the great stuff and the great episodes came at the, you know, back end of seasons, even with the first ones for Clone Wars and Rebels as well. So I could, ex- I, I would expect that for mm-hmm. Resistance as well. I think we'll probably get bigger connections to, you know, the grander scheme of Star Wars, whether it's some surprise guest appearances from classic characters or just diving into more of the Resistance and First Order struggle. Like, I think you made a great point, Kyle, where you were talking about the first few episodes are probably going to be just of, you know, setting up the characters and doing the races on uh, Colossus. And then the back half is going to probably really dive into, you know, the Resistance and First Order stuff. And we didn't get much of the First Order in this trailer, which, you know, I was saying how much I love the animation style right away as the trailer began. I was hoping, okay, let's get some cool Captain Phasma shots in here. And there was nothing. But <laughs> we've got that one shot of like a gold-plated Stormtrooper, uh, which looked cool, but it wasn't Phasma. Right away, I thought, that's not Phasma. There's no cape. You know, it's gold. But then I saw people online saying, oh, it's Phasma. I was like, wait, really? Am I missing something here? But the, you brought up too, Kyle, how even the helmet uh, design is not Phasma. It's just your typical first order stormtrooper look so yeah i don't even i don't think that's a gold stormtrooper i think it's a regular stormtrooper standing in front of a fire or something that is Mm, just like giving it that kind of gold glow to it i think that's just the lighting i don't think that's actually a gold stormtrooper armor as cool as that would be to see yeah we don't get in a red one but (laughs) the gold gold too and yeah there's even another aspect of the trailer that i'm hoping the series goes into as i was saying how it goes maybe in the back half of the season, it dives more into that resistance first order fight. Um, just a group of characters that we're getting introduced here. There's that one shot where we see like a group of them running towards their ship, which looks like in their flight suits and their helmets. I like how each one of them has their own unique design as their helmets goes. And, you know, they each have their own colors. We see someone like the red and white jumpsuit, see uh, like a Rodian and a green one. They got another pilot in a yellow with a yellow jumpsuit and a yellow helmet. I think it would be cool that we get introduced to these characters and, you know, they each have their own unique look for their suits and their ship just for racing. But then as the conflict grows between the First Order, they join up with the Resistance. And then we get, instead of a group of racers, we get, you know, a unit or a squadron of pilots for the Resistance that are going to be the bulk of this team of heroes that we'll, you know, see more of as the series goes on. I think that'd be cool and something different for Star Wars animation where we get a team or a group of characters Instead of, you know, just all being on one ship like the Rebels were on the Ghost, they each had their own unique ships, and they're going to see uh, space combat and just flight combat in general, whether it's on different planets or in space, with these group of characters each in their own unique ships, which I think would be pretty cool. So that shot kind of stood out to me as well in the trailer as far as something that we could potentially get in this series as well. So, yeah, I mean, more of the positive definitely outweighs the negative I've had with, you know, the main character Kaz and his over eagerness but yeah when you get down to it and you look at the animation style the action that we can possibly get and the growth we can see with some of these characters and just the overall story in general i just think there's definitely more to be excited about than with the few nitpicks i have with it and just something that i wish you know those disgruntled fans could look at more <laughs> when this new stuff comes out because there's a lot of star wars going out or going around right now it's tons of different contents and even though not everything might not be to your liking i think there's just enough in there to at least like or like you said just if it's not for you then just leave it at that <laughs> just mm-hmm. don't keep 
beating a dead horse on something you just feel you have to make your dis- disappointment and hate out there to say it once and let it be mm-hmm. yeah for sure i mean i definitely would never say anything like you know oh, if you don't like this and you don't like everything new that disney's pointing out then like you're not a real star wars fan because you don't appreciate this yeah like, exactly you're more than free to like or dislike whatever you want but you know again if something just looks like it's not for you especially if it's you know you're an older fan and it's targeted at a younger audience or whatever like if you want give it a chance and you know if not just move on like again we've got clone wars we've got more movies coming um you know tons of good stuff so um yeah i don't know i i don't want to keep beating a dead horse on that but um i really hope this does well um you know i hope people give it a chance i hope people like it um i hope they eventually move it to a time slot where kids can actually stay up and watch it um this will probably just be for like the premiere episode and then i'm yeah. sure we'll probably move it to like you know a monday night or friday night or whatever it is um it would be like rebels and each season is all over the place as far as what day it is. <laughs> it's like each year it was a different day and time yeah and this is just our first look i wonder if we'll actually get another trailer uh for this before it airs um because i was going back and looking at i kind of wanted to compare this to like some of the first trailers we got for clone wars and for rebels and stuff and pretty much every trailer that we got like before any season of clone wars or of rebels was a good like two to three minutes at least um and this first one for resistance is just a minute and it's just you know they titled it first look trailer star wars resistance um, so I wonder if we'll get like an extended trailer that shows more of what we can expect for the full season before the first episode airs. Um, and if not before, then I would assume, you know, when you watch the first episode, they'll probably have a trailer showing like what's coming up for the rest of the season um, just to get people more excited and show that there's probably more to it than just what we've seen right here. Um, so I would hopefully... also expect too, like even September, maybe to get these like character videos introducing each new character like we got with Rebels. I'm actually kind of surprised it hasn't started yet. <laughs> so. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but I think that might be something maybe even before we get another trailer, just an introduction video to all these new characters. Yeah, hopefully that would be cool, too. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we've got another about a month and a half before this airs, so um, we'll see what other kind of trailers and supplementary stuff they put out uh, in the meantime. Um, but just to uh, finish up on Resistance, we also got um, a report from Entertainment Weekly about um, some of the characters and who are going to be voicing them in the show. Uh, we already know we've got uh, Oscar Isaac vo- vo- uh, voicing Poe Dameron, and um, we saw quite a bit of him in the trailer. Um, also, we know Gwendolyn Christie is coming back to play Cla- uh, Captain Phasma, even though we didn't see any of her in there. Um and then, I don't know, did they announce who the main voice actor is for uh, the main character, Kaz? Because I don't see him on this list. He's a guy from a soap opera. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, they did announce who he was, but I'm blanking on his name right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm I'm sure they probably did announce it. I'm just not seeing it in this article here that we're looking at. But um, let me see. Oh, it, yeah, they do say it on here. Sorry, I'm going to the um, the actual entertainment weekly article uh where did it go christopher sean um is voicing kaz um yeah and then oscar isaac Gwendolyn christie um and then the rest of the characters on here uh we've got jarek yeager played by scott lawrence uh tam rivora played by Susie mcgrath niku played by josh breener uh tora doza played by myrna velasco uh, Hype Phazon, played by Donald Phazon. Oh, that's funny. They gave him the same last name. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> Flicks played by Jim Rash and Orca played by Bobby Moynihan. And then in addition to that, uh, they announced that uh, Leia Organa will actually be um, appearing in the show as well, voiced by actress Rachel Butera. So uh, there is kind of your main voice cast for Star Wars Resistance. Um, and there's a few names in there that I'm familiar with and some that I've never heard of before. But um, again, just going off of previous Star Wars animated shows, they usually seem to get pretty good cast together that um, have fun working on this stuff and you know, know their Star Wars and love working on it. So hopefully that should be for uh, make for a good time. Yeah, and just good to hear that Leia is going to be in the series as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like a no-brainer with a show titled Star Wars Resistance that, you know, <laughs> the main leader and founder of the Resistance would be a part of it. But uh, she wasn't mentioned in the first announcement for it. So I was kind of thinking maybe she would be one of those characters who shows up like in a season finale or something. But um, doesn't say she'll be in the first premiere episodes, but I'm sure we'll be seeing her sooner rather than later in, in the course of the series, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine Leia will probably have a role similar to like Ahsoka or Bail Organa did in Rebels, where we kind of see them yeah. working behind the scenes and, you know, appearing every once in a while. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, yeah, well... Um, Again, that's uh, kind of the scoop for now on Star Wars Resistance, and we will see what comes out in the next month and a half before we finally get to see the show, and hopefully it uh, you know, leaves us with much more positive than negative impressions. Um, but let's move on to talking about some stuff from Star Wars Episode Nine. getting back to the movies. Um, just, you know, I think on our, it was just on our last episode, right, that we talked about, like, the uh, beginning of production and the um, the cast announcement and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so adding one more name to the voice cast, or to the, the cast of the movie, um, they just announced that Dominic Monaghan, who was uh, Marriaduck Brandybuck in The Lord of the Rings, um, and also is, uh, is probably his other most famous role is as uh, Charlie on Lost. Um, he's going to be joining the cast of Star Wars. So that's cool. I like him as an actor. Um, so I am excited to see who he's going to get to play. And I think it'll be cool to see him in star Wars too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you big fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and in particular, his role as Mary, he was always been probably my favorite out of the four hobbits. So, and again, just any actor from Lord of the Rings makes the jump to star Wars is, you know, great in my books. (laughs) I keep Mm -hmm. them coming. Pretty much all the actors in Lord of the Rings were fantastic. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing him and, join the Star Wars family, seeing what character he's going to play. So I thought that was some pretty cool casting news to get to. Yeah, this is a uh, Dominic uh, Monaghan is, is a fine actor. I don't have anything against him. Um, I liked him just fine in the Lord of the Rings uh, movies that he was in. I thought he, he played a great um, Mary. Uh, I also saw, I saw mo- not most of loss. I saw a good chunk of loss. I thought he was an okay character. I think he's a fine actor. I'm not like, I think it's weird that he's cast kind of late. It feels like it's a, it's a JJ Abrams. Like you're my friend, Dominic. Why don't you, uh, why don't you come into star Wars with me? And, uh, kind of like a more, he's not obviously going to have a big role, but it's, it's something that he obviously wanted to help a friend out. Like, Oh yeah, you're my buddy. Let's, uh, have you come in and do this role. I don't know. It's whatever. I'm, I, Here's the thing. I'd be more interested if he was in the initial press release that he had a more substantial role. And maybe he will. I don't know. Because I guess 
going back, Lupita Nyong'o and Chris, Gwendolyn Christie weren't part of the original um, yeah. mm-hmm. thing either. So that's a good point. I just proved myself wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, you but, did it before I could jump in and correct you because I was thinking the same thing. No, fair enough. Fair enough. No, I, I just it's whatever. I'm I'm very curious why, you know, what he's playing. You know, but I have to say, every time someone get, someone gets cast, I I automatically think Knight of Ren. Knight <laughs> of Ren. That's all. I, that's all I care about. I mean, because it's the end of the Skywalker saga. I'm just like whatever, you know. And I really, really, really want like the thing I'm looking most forward to in this movie is is uh, Knights of Ren and having them in action. Having I, I you know I, I gotta I have to really hold myself together a little bit because I want to see them duke it out so bad in this movie with like Poe or something with Finn and Ray and whoever is going to join them like you know with with melee combat with lightsabers and or whatever and how rad they looked in that flashback sequence that's all I go back to so I'm hoping he plays one of them but I can also see him playing like a rebel rebellion slash resistance and I did say rebellion on purpose because that's what that's, Luke calls them at the very end. That's so, what they are now. Yep. Yeah. The rebellion has been reborn. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, sorry. I, I didn't like that part. Yeah, see, uh, that, that could be a whole other topic of discussion where we can go back and forth why I think that's an accurate thing to call it now. But <laughs> Whatever. It's just ridiculous. Um, but anyway, I, I, he'll probably end up being one of those characters. Like, you know, a, like a, a general who's like, you know, who walks up to someone and then goes, they said this, and they walk up to somebody else and they go, that person said this, activate the shield, what they just told me to do. So, you know, just like that one character did, like, you know, basically Leia told him to do something and he told someone else what Leia told him, like, five feet away. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bitter, you can tell. But I, 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 like I said, I just think, I just want him to be a Knight of Ren. I want everyone to be a Knight of Ren, so we'll see what happens. I gotta be right at some <laughs> He wants point, Chewie right? to be a Knight of Ren. I want I want Jonas to be a Knight of Ren. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm right there with you. I mean, I didn't think about that with him necessarily, but I'm I'm on the same page with you as far as wanting the Knights of Ren to be involved in this movie. Um, and have a, a big role and some really cool action scenes. But um whether or not he is one of them, we will have to wait and see. Um so the other bit of episode nine news that dropped uh, just within the past week or so um, is we got our first batch of leaked set photos. So we're going to talk you about knew those. it was coming at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, inevitably, you know, the uh, we got the announcement about the start of production, and sure enough, within a week or two after that, um, set photos are already starting to leak out. So we're going to talk about these briefly. Um, if you want to avoid spoil it, like if you're one of those people that doesn't want to know anything about the movie going into it, you know, we always like to give a spoiler warning for those kind of people. So you might want to, you know, just skip ahead a bit or whatever. But I will say before you do that, if you haven't seen these photos yet, there's really nothing super spoilery in here. Um, like I, and I'm one of those people that like, I kind of like to know some stuff. Like when the first batch of leaked photos comes out, I'm always just curious and, you know, I want to take a look, but you know, if there's a, a report from making star Wars or something that comes out and says like, Oh, here's all the details on the new movie and who the villain's going to be and the plot twist at the end and who's going to die and stuff. I'm like, Nope, I'm staying a uh, 12 parsecs away from that. Um, but just, you know, so, so 
trust me when I say there's nothing in these screenshots uh, or in these these leaked photos that is going to spoil any plot points about the movie or anything like that. Um, again, if you really don't want to know anything, then, you know, fine. You don't have to listen to this part. But, I mean, we're just talking about main characters that we already knew were going to be in the movie and, you know, in a couple new outfits and stuff like that. So, um, with that being said, uh, it looks like... Um, you know, from these set photos, it's primarily Finn, Poe, and Chewie who we see in these pictures, um, along with some background extras, and it looks like some horses or... Yeah, I think that's probably a horse. But they've got yeah. some animals, like, in costumes that you can tell they're going to, you know, use them in, like, post-production and kind of make it into more of a, uh, like, an alien creature. Um, there's one photo of Chewie standing next to, again, what looks like a horse, but it's in almost like a big woolly costume that looks more like a giant sheep or something. And then it's got like some orange stripes on its head where they're probably going to CG in like an alien head over the horse head. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, we've got Finn and Poe. They're both in new outfits, which I think are looking kind of cool. Uh, Poe is rocking like an Indiana Jones getup with like a white shirt with the sleeves rolled up and then like brown pants and boots. Uh, Finn is kind of rocking almost like a more Han Solo looking outfit with uh, like a dark brown shirt and then a light brown vest over it and blue pants with a gun strapped to the side. So, um, you know, again, nothing like super flashy or like whoa what are they doing in that outfit um but you know just some cool new looks for the new characters i'm sure we'll still see poe in his x-wing get up at some point but um or at least i would hope so i mean i know his x-wing blew up in the last movie but um i mean it just wouldn't be a, a star wars sequel trilogy movie without poe in an x-wing if you ask me um but, yeah, I mean, we got Poe, we got Finn, we got Chewie, we got a bunch of background extras, and then it looks like they're on a grassy planet, or at least a planet with a grassy environment where there's just plains and hills and lots of long grass. If you want to compare it to, like, existing Star Wars planets, it could be Dantooine. Um, but, really, I mean, there's no buildings, there's no ships, none of that in here. So, who knows what they're after uh, or what they're doing on this planet. Um but, you know, like I said, not really anything spoilery, nothing much to go off of here. Um, if looking at a picture of Chewie holding an umbrella sitting in his chair on set is your thing, then uh, you probably got <laughs> excited by these. But other than that, you know, nothing super exciting or, you know, nothing to really indicate what we can expect from the story. Um, but cool to get our first look at, uh, you know, just behind the scenes filming of a new Star Wars movie. So I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean kind of what you hinted at at the beginning and what I said, just we knew it was coming. <laughs> uh, these set photos, it happens for every Star Wars movie now. And it's something I actually look forward to once production does get going. It's like, okay, how much longer do we get these leaked set photos? And here they are. This one didn't take too long. Just a, a few weeks or, yeah, it's not even a month. It's about a few weeks since they began uh, shooting. So uh, I just like knowing kind of what you said Kyle that just what the look of at least a little aspect of episode 9 is going to be that's why it just gets me excited whenever I see these new uh, set photos that come out for a particular Star Wars movie just to get that little sneak peek of what we can expect the feel and look of a new Star Wars movie to be and even more so when it's uh, the main episode saga films especially with 9 it being the last of the Skywalker trilogy or Skywalker saga I should say um, but yeah the new looks on Poe and Finn um kind of you, you described it well but i just like that they are in new outfits because uh, we're just so used to seeing 
Poe in particular, just in his X-wing jumpsuit and then his, his jacket. Um, so it's good to see both and looking something different for it uh, being, you know, the third movie of the trilogy. And we're assuming that it's probably going to be a few years after The Last Jedi. So I just think it's good to see him in some different outfits where they haven't been wearing the same thing <laughs> the last few years. So uh, that was cool to see. But and my big takeaway from this, and this goes to, you know, the shot of Chewie and those horses that, like you said, has like that extra fur on there. And they got tons of like, gear and equipment on there. And immediately, and I know you'll appreciate this, Paul. I just thought of Ewok's Caravan of Courage. <laughs> I mean, just seeing horses in Star Wars. Because I was remembering, right, Ewok Caravan of Courage, or both Ewok movies, actually, were the only times where we saw like actual horses in Star Wars. And seeing a horse in that photo along with Chewie just gave me that vibe of the Ewok Caravan of Courage. And even just the grassy environment, too, because... There's a point in the movie where they're making this long trek on these horses and they have much bigger like gear on them in the Ewok films. And even to a point where like they can house like some of the smaller Ewoks and the young like young kids like Wicked and Sindel were in there. They rode inside on the horse and like this tent type thing. So it doesn't look quite like that. But I just got that vibe of seeing horses in Star Wars and we'll see how much you know cg is put into them to make them look really different like you said they have those red orange stripes on their faces so maybe they won't look exactly like horses when they get the visual effects done but i don't know part of me is kind of hoping that they stay looking like they do in this photos just have have it look like a horse but just be alien and exotic enough to have a star wars feel to it so i couldn't help but feel that way when seeing that shot of Chewie and that horse, it just took me back to the Ewok Caravan of Courage movie, which I still love. <laughs> and it's good, kind of good to get that little feeling of harking back to it. So that was neat. And the only other thing or thought I had on it was that shot with the extras. And we see these different civilians of people on this planet and just what type of role they're going to play. Because right away, I'm just kind of thinking, are Poe and Finn there to help? these group of people that maybe the first order it's attacking or they're kind of still maybe doing some recruiting for the resistance. Maybe they know of this group on this planet, whether it's a new planet or if it's Dantooine or something it's like that, you know, they're here to help these people, have them join the resistance. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they're going to be doing on this planet. And I'm kind of hoping, I don't know, as cool as it would be for it to be Dantooine, I guess it all depends on the story, but I just hope it's not another scenario that we already saw in The Last Jedi with Crate, where, oh, it's just another rebel base, let's go there and kind of make our, you know, camp there and or, or make our base of operations there. It would make sense, but I'm kind of hoping for something new or just a different reason for that to be the case. But um, other than that, uh, the only other thought I had on this, and again, you can't go on too much just on these set pictures. We don't know the context of everything, but um of just seeing Poe and Finn is good to see them two together. It's like they'll definitely have more screen time than they did in The Last Jedi. But I was kind of hoping for to see the three of them or with Ray, Poe, and Finn. Because as I was saying on the last episode, it would be kind of great to have that Return of the Jedi feel where the whole gang's back together. And even if it's for a little bit of the movie, we get a portion or at least a sequence where Ray, Poe, and Finn are together. And, and again, this is a few set photos. Maybe Ray does travel with them to this planet. She's off somewhere else. Or maybe they already had their sequence where the three of them got to do something. And then Pin and Foe, or Pin and Foe, <laughs> <laughs> Finn and Poe go off on their own uh, assignment. And Ray's off doing her things to take care of Kylo. 
and you know taking care of what needs to be done for the grander scheme with the force and the galaxy so um that was just my one thought i had again like got to take it all into context we don't have any context just yet so it shouldn't be too much of a big deal you know if ray is not here in these group of set photos so yeah again nothing too major shown in these images but i just like looking at images from star wars episode nine <laughs> like i said just mm-hmm. giving that little taste of what we're going to see next year just good to get this early on and again i love having those ewok vibes <laughs> from it so <laughs> it was just cool to get this little this little sneak peek when uh, these came out yeah this was this took me by surprise i was pretty spoiler free for the last jedi and i i stayed away from most of the the leaked pictures and to be real I just this one I'm gonna do the same thing for episode nine, but these pictures were literally popping up everywhere. I couldn't and I and I even posted them like, oh yeah, and then someone goes, What are you doing? This is you know, you're really gonna post this? I'm like, Whoa, I didn't realize that this was like super sensitive. And I gotta respect that and I t- I deleted it. But what I deleted was interesting because that original picture that JJ posted was everyone said it was Ray, Finn, or uh, excuse me, Ray, Finn, and uh, Chewie. And it actually confirms pretty much that that actually wasn't Ray. It's actually Poe. That's right. Because the the shirt he's wearing is very tan, and all the lights on it it, it makes it look like it's white, and and Chewie was there too. So the three of them are probably flying the Falcon, which that's that's cool. It's pretty much confirmed that, and maybe that's what they were complaining about, was that it almost confirms that it's Poe, flying the falcon now and maybe that is kind of a spoiler but i was like oh that's kind of cool but that's also official stuff and i think they also posted that picture honestly because they also knew they were going to be shooting outside with the possibility of people like taking pictures you know what i mean like a lot of people will do even though you couldn't well, really see the, yeah yeah but i think ahead. they would have probably made it a little more clear and visible if that was the reasoning for releasing it but they, JJ still kind of took it in a way where you, you had to really look to make out who's who in there. And like we were saying, we really couldn't confirm that it was Ray, like we all assumed it was in that image. But yeah, I definitely think you're right that it probably is Poe sitting there. Even that that little uh, strap he has over his shirt that everyone thought maybe <laughs> was Ray's uh, Padawan braid was probably just a piece of that strap for that he was wearing for the bag he's carrying. So again, that goes into what I was kind of talking about not having Ray there. Just makes me wonder like how much are they going to be together? And like you said, how, what's going to be the reason for her not being on the Falcon and for Poe piloting the Falcon. And who knows, maybe she is there like just in the back doing some Jedi training or meditation or whatnot and Poe's piloting to whatever planet that they're going on. But it's definitely interesting now that you brought that to our attention saying that, you know, that is Poe in the pilot seat. Cause I think there's, you know, no uh, disputing that because it's clearly the same outfit when mm-hmm. you look at them side by side now. Right. Well, what's also interesting is the fact that uh, Finn's pants are completely blue. Like, (laughs) they're as blue as can be. And I'm like, whoa. Like, that was a little, to be honest, jarring, but in a good way. I like that. I'm like, man, this is, like, very, this is very different than what we've gotten from him before. And I like that. I like the fact that it's a completely different, like, it's a very different outfit. It's in the same spirit of what we've gotten with him before. But, yeah, I I, I like what we're getting. And, and I don't know, I thought it was interesting. Everything looked cool. And I definitely got an Ewok vibe from it as well um, with the horses. But obviously they're going to CGI those horses into something else, which is cool. Like I, that, That's what I want it to have happen. You know, we've got to have 
these different things, different creatures uh, they're riding on. You know, first thing I th- I thought of when I saw that planet or whatever they're on, I thought Dantooine, um, potentially. You know, I'm not. I don't think it is, and or anything. But it was it was interesting. And I I'm to be honest, I hope they're not recruiting in this movie. I hope they're already established, just like in Episode yeah. Six, Return of the Jedi. The alliance comes together; they're ready to go. Like we don't mm-hmm. need to have like a half hour, forty minute thing of like let's uh, let's get the band together. No, we need to get let's have like let's go right into a battle between these two factions. Let's go and all that stuff. So yeah, that's kind of my my personal opinion of it. So. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like where I'm, I'm where I'm at. I, I think it looks cool. I'm glad that, you know, that they're riding on creatures probably, and they're going to be, I like the costumes I've seen so far. Poe looks essentially the same. Finn looks a little bit different. I'm all for Finn's new outfit. I'm into it. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for it. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I think as far as what they're doing here, it looks to me like they could be looking for something. Um, just talking about what you guys were saying, like maybe they're recruiting or something like that. Um, I don't know. It looks like Poe is maybe holding like some binoculars or a data pad or something like that. And just based on like the sort of the lack of stuff going on here, again, the fact that there's no, uh, ships, there's no stormtroopers, nothing like that. Like I definitely don't think they're here for like a battle or that it's going to be like a big pivotal scene in the movie. Um, but yeah, maybe this is like, rather than them recruiting allies for the resistance in general, maybe they're looking for a specific person. Um, I mean, maybe to start the movie, Ray has gone off in search of some Jedi artifact or something and they're looking for her. Um, although I kind of hope they're not doing that because then that would just be yet another movie starting off with everybody looking for the last Jedi in the galaxy. And we've done that for the last two movies already. Um, <laughs> True. but, um, yeah, I don't know. They, they could be off in search of you know, a particular person or a particular, I don't know, item or piece of information or something like that. Um, or I was just thinking that now too, where one of the last images, cause these images came from uh, the sun, like I think it's the, the UK site. Mm-hmm. And I think the last images, one of them on there is you see a rider on the horse. Cause there's shots where the Chewie's by the horse, but you see one of the extras on the horse. So maybe it's something where they, like something happens to the Falcon, it gets shot down or malfunction. They're stranded on this planet for a bit and they're getting help from the natives here and they provide this transportation uh, through these horses and they're sticking with them. Uh, maybe they're end up finding out that they have a mutual, you know, mission that they have both have to go through, whether that's to deal with the first order or the Knights of Ren or something. So it looks like maybe that's another possibility where maybe they're just uh, weren't looking for help, but they end up getting it from the native uh, people on this planet. Yeah, it could be. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We shall see. Um, gosh, it feels weird to think that we still have another year and a half before this movie comes out. But I know, <laughs> you know, I mean, not necessarily weird that we have to wait that long before the movie comes up, but weird that we have to wait that long for the next Star Wars movie. Because, you know, yeah. when when we were getting leaked set photos for The Last Jedi, you know, when that's like around the same time in the production schedule, that was like during 2016, while we were also getting like trailers and stuff for Rogue One that was coming out at the, coming out at the end of that year. But it's like we've already gotten our Star Wars movie for this year. So now we got nothing but these to go on. But um, at the same time, it's the perfect thing to help, you know, ease the <laughs> slow pace of getting to December 2019 is getting images like this to just to, you know, satisfy the little bit of anticipation and excitement that comes with the waiting. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Um, all right, well, that's pretty much it for episode nine. Let's talk about the live action series and the rumors that have been going on with that. Um, there were a couple of reports about that that came out actually like right after we recorded our last episode and I think before we actually got it posted. So this is a little bit older news, but very exciting stuff nonetheless. Um, first of all, we got a report about the um, just the budget and stuff for the live action series and like the number of episodes. Um, and this is from an article in the New York Times. Again, this is all just kind of speculation, um, but I mean, it seems pretty legit or at least sounds, you know, reasonable um, considering that this is a Star Wars live action series and you would think they'd go all in on this. Um, and it sounds like they're thinking about something similar to Game of Thrones with uh, like a 10 episode season and a budget of about 10 million per episode or like 100 million for the whole season. Um so that's good to hear because, I mean, for Game of Thrones, like, I mean, typically TV shows have lower budgets than movies. And still, I mean, $10 million per episode for an hour of TV, if you stretch that out, that's only $20 million for, like, a two-hour what could be a movie or something. So, um, you know, that still kind of pales in comparison to, like, the budgets of big blockbuster movies. But at the same time, Game of Thrones has probably like the highest production value of anything on TV. Um, and they put a lot of money into each of those episodes and it really shows with like the battle scenes and the CGI and the scenery and all the kind of stuff that they're able to, to cram into that and makes it feel like you're really watching something higher quality than just your average run-of-the-mill uh, television series. Um, and so it makes total sense that they would do something like that with Star Wars because, again, Star Wars is not... Like, you could do any kind of story that's just, like, set in the Star Wars universe and have, you know, a really low-budget show that's just set on some backwater outer rim planet where like nothing exciting really happens but like that's not what people want to see when they tune in to watch star wars like you got to go big um and it sounds like that's what they're doing here with this show so i am very excited to see what they're going to be able to do just with that budget and you know how big they're able to go with the effects and the action and you know battle scenes and all that kind of stuff but i have high hopes for that yeah this was pretty much exactly what i wanted to hear <laughs> about uh details regarding like, the budget and even the episode count i mean like you said, comparing it to Game of Thrones, I mean, that doesn't get much of a better comparison than that, knowing, like you said, how much uh, production and care goes into making those episodes. And the 10-episode-a-season format, I think, works really well. So if that's going to be the case with the Star Wars series, I mean, sign me up. I mean, I was signed up anyway, but just it makes me more excited about, you know, potentially just how great... Uh, we would expect a Star Wars TV show to be if it has a budget on the scale like that and anything close to Game of Thrones. So, yeah, just like I said, exactly what I wanted to hear. It just makes me uh, more excited to find out more about it just to see, you know, the results of what $10 million an episode would bring for a live action Star Wars series. So, yeah, this was definitely good news to to read when it came out. Mm. Yeah, the budget was not surprising because I think you know, with what Disney's doing right now is they're they're they see the future of TV is is going to change. It's going to change in five more years. It's going to look even completely diff more completely different, in my opinion. I think it's already Netflix in the last like three four years have they have really started to change of what we're going to be getting in the future, and it's crazy to think about what we're going to get. Um, me personally. I think that this is not a surprise. I think that they know in order to compete in this new landscape 
of TV that they have to give us the, the best product they can that, you know, that what their competition is. And look at Game of Thrones. It's a great example. I mean, it's really interesting to me how these models work. And I wish I, I wish I could wrap my head around it or I had inside information because, you know, you have Netflix keeps pouring money into content, but how much money are they making from it? Yeah. So much, but you know, I've heard, you know, remember when Sean was telling us um, that they're wasting all, you know, not wasting, but Netflix is spending all this money on, uh, on a uh, content, but they have no, like they're borrowing it all. Mm, yeah. And I, I remember he, we were hanging out with our friend Sean uh, a couple months ago for Kyle's wedding, actually, or before we, we went down to the wedding. And uh, he was kind of telling us that. And I'm like, how does it make sense to me that they would spend all this money and borrow? And, like, you know, we just don't have the numbers to see if it justifies it. You know what yeah, I mean? They never release numbers, right? Mm. As far as like no. how many ep- like an episode or a TV series gets watched. Right. Yeah. And, like, well, yeah, I mean, they kind of can't because it's not like you can provide like ticket sales you know like for for every person that's spending you know 11 bucks a month on netflix i mean i don't know if they break that down into like okay well you know they watched uh x many episodes of stranger things so we'll give those guys you know this much percentage of what that person's monthly thing was like i have no idea how their business model works but uh (laughs) yeah obviously it's way different from your standard you know movies and tv and stuff like that well, and so what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that I would – the same thing with, with HBO, right? HBO must have a giant subscription service for either through Comcast cable you know, or you know, digital DirecTV, um, something like that. Or you have HBO Go, which now is their own independent thing that, that people, I, I are, I'm assuming, are jumping ship and just doing that because it's – even though it's 20 bucks a month, you probably, if you don't watch anything else, but you want HBO, you don't have to pay a hundred bucks a month, you know, just to get cable and, and HBO. You can just pay 20 bucks a month for internet, you know, and you have your internet bill and then you have HBO. So they have, they're a $20, you know, dollar subscription. So obviously like the fact that they keep making game of Thrones episodes shows that like, there's a profit for this and there's a reason for them to keep doing it. So that's the most expensive TV series, you know, right now. And if Star Wars is going along those lines, it only makes sense because Star Wars is a proven commodity. You're going to make people are going to everyone's going to subscribe to this thing to get it Mm -hmm. and to have access to it and to, you know, to watch it or whatever. And so for me, it only makes sense because this is let's be real. They're not going to have. It's going to be a while unless they somehow fork so much money over to Time Warner to get the rights or they take them to court to say they don't own the broadcasting streaming rights, which I'm assuming is a loophole potentially. But they're trying to get all the Star Wars films uh, rights back from Turner. I think they have it to like 2024. Get those back so they can have a one stop shop for everything Star Wars. And think about that, how amazing that would be. Have all the Star Wars, anything Star Wars, with Rebels, Clone Wars, Resistance, Forces of Destiny, uh, the movies, uh, and this TV show, all in one spot. How amazing would that be? Oh, it'd be incredible, right? Mm-hmm. But so my point is this, is that, but they're not going to have that initially. They're going to have the new films, and that's about it. So this, basically, I, in my opinion, this new Disney streaming service is going to be piggybacking majority majority can't talk majority uh, i can't talk it will be <laughs> piggybacking from mainly that's probably what i should say mainly star wars and marvel 
And those two things alone are going to be what they're going to be, you know, selling to people to get on the streaming service. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm, I'm just saying that they don't have as much content that's going to drive people to want to pony up immediately besides those two main brands. Mm -hmm. And Star Wars, you're going to have to bring your A game. You cannot. You cannot try to scrimp and save and say, well, we'll just do this a little bit and we'll just do that. No, you got to go all in. You have to say, we have to go in and say, this is what we're doing. And in my opinion, that's what they have to do. They like, There's no... And they have to go for broke. They have to give it the absolute most money it can, which they're using the Game of Thrones model. And again, Disney, they're not they're they're they'll take chances, but they're not going to take chances all the time. And I think it's I think it's very it does not surprise me that they're, they're using Game of Thrones as the, like their budget as a way of like, OK, we can we can make this work because they probably don't know where to go from there. Like, what do we do? And personally, that's the only way to do it. They cannot afford to have this streaming service just suck out the gate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can't. They, and what I mean by that is, or what I what I mean what I mean what I mean. Yeah, I really can't talk tonight. What I'm, I'm trying to say is that there is like you cannot have this show suck because if this show sucks or is not very good, it gets or it gets like it, it says that it looks cheap, then it's gonna hit that that streaming service will never get off the ground. In my yeah. opinion, mm -hmm. if you'll never, you'll never get off the ground. Yeah, if like the first trailer comes out and it looks like real cheap and they didn't put the budget into it, I mean, if you thought the Resistance trailer reactions were bad, <laughs> just well, imagine what it would be for a live action run. So yeah, exactly. Like that's that's what I'm talking about. So, in my opinion, it's just yeah, you you can't yeah you, you you have they have to hit this thing out of the park right away and i think that going with a high budget for a tv show like it like what, what they already have with game of thrones is gigantic and i think that they they know they can't mess around with this with you know with marvel with netflix shows you you kind of have a, a proven that you don't have to have like a marvel movie look to sell you have to have the key and with anything, you have a good story you can sell. But with Star Wars, you do not want to mess that up out the gate. You've already seen that you've got a huge group of fans ready to shoot this thing down. And with Resistance and with Solo, you know, people are ready to, like, boycott and say, we're boycotting or this sucks because blah, 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 Disney sucks, blah, blah, blah. You need to come out and really show you, you've got something that they're, everyone's going to go, whoa, that looks really it's impressive. And that's the only way you're going to do it is by giving it the highest budget you can and without, you know, losing money. And I bet there there's, doesn't surprise me they're using Game of Thrones as a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, just talking about like the business model and stuff, like I have no idea how Netflix, you know, makes their money by like, because you've already got millions of Netflix subscribers. So when they put a bunch of money into a newer show, like, you know, Stranger Things or something like that, like, I don't know how that translates into like a whole bunch of new revenue for them. Because, yeah, you're trying to get people to keep subscribing and you're trying to gain new subscribers but i mean i don't know how much profit you're really making from that when there's a ton of people already subscribing and then you know you're pouring a ton of money into a new show but yeah obviously with star wars and with the disney streaming service this star wars show like pour all the money you can into that thing because that is what's going to get people to sign up for this thing um that's going to be a huge magnet 
uh, you know, for I don't know if this show is going to launch like along with the Disney streaming service or sometime shortly after, but I would assume at least within the first year of the service being out is when uh, the Star Wars show is going to premiere. And that's going to be a huge draw for them um, to be adding well, a bunch of new subscribers right off the bat. I think it's next. It's supposed to uh, be out next year, winter next year. So like not this Christmas, but probably right around episode nine. That's when it's supposed to be active. And I know well, yeah, that's that's when the service is supposed to be active is the, like late next year. But I'm saying I don't right, know but, if I don't know if the Star Wars show is going to be ready right be. around then. Um, especially because John, Fa- especially because John Favreau is still working on the Jungle, or not Jungle Book, The Lion King right now, um, and we haven't heard anything about that show actually going into production yet. So I don't know exactly when they're going to start working on that and when it's going to be ready by. But again, you know, even if it's not, you know, day one, hey, streaming services up, new Star Wars show. I mean, I bet you anything, Clone Wars will be on there day one. Um, yes, yes, I agree. The live action show we might have to wait a few more months for, but regardless, that is going to be a huge boost for their initial numbers. No, and, and that's the thing. I don't think that there, there's no, it's impossible for them to have anything. Maybe they'll have a trailer ready for the Disney streaming service that they could broadcast through that. But, um, but yeah, there's no way they're going to have uh, – there's no way they're going to have a show ready. I mean, I think Celebration, we're going to get probably – confirmation of stuff and concept art and, and acting, you know, or, and you have John Favreau basically get on stage and just talk about the show, whatever it is, which we'll talk about in a second. But that's what I think. I, I think it, cause the jungle or excuse me, the lion King, doesn't it come out in July this year or of 2019? Yeah. I don't know if it's July, but I think it's sometime around the summer of 2019. Yeah. So you're, he's going to be busy wrapping that up, up right up until it re- releases. So, I don't think we're going to get any kind of, I mean, let me, let me, let me backtrack. Pre-production will start. He'll start approving designs and things like that. And, and scripts will be written, but nothing will go in actually shooting until probably that winter or later that summer, maybe even 2020. Um, we might not even, it might not even shoot until then. Possibly, but isn't, he's just writing and producing the show, right? Right, but I but I I want to say usually and maybe this is, could be a completely different thing. We don't know, and that's again this is good speculation because that's a good point. I don't know. I'm only assuming most of the time these showrunners they're gonna like oversee the first episode to make sure they set the tone and they let it go from there. And like Joss Whedon did it for Agents of Shield, J.J. Uh, Abrams did it for Lost. Um, you know, they basically shoot the the first pilot of the movie or the show, excuse me, and then they go for and they kind of let it go, you know, take a life of its own and it's overseas stuff. Well, in this case, John Favreau could just say, you know what, I've created it, I'm overseeing it, which he could still do while he's doing The Lion King. Um, and then kind of ne- ne- never, you know, really fully uh, take about the horn. But to be honest, I just, I just don't see that happening, especially with the fact that he's, this is a whole original idea that he came up with and worked on for like, you know, the last six years that he did on his own. Mm-hmm. So I just have a hard time believing he would be like, Oh yeah, here he goes an idea and I'll just let you guys do it. I just don't see that with him. I'm not, yeah, I think, I, I think that he will, it'll be like that to an extent because he has to, cause he's going to do other things besides that. But I really do think that he will be heavily involved with not doing the first um, episode or multiple episodes of that, of that series. So that's why I think that pre-production will be, it'll be in pre-production. I think this, 
next year, probably in like mid 2019, while he's wrapping up Lion King, he'll he'll start kind of overseeing all the designs and things like that. Start casting the stuff that you know he doesn't have to be there all the time for. They can just kind of set him up, and he can, you know, on off times or breaks between Lion King, he can like you know see that see those uh that information or whatever but i think production probably won't go into they won't probably go in production until probably the earliest is fall 2019 if not at least 2020 when they actually start like full-on production yeah although one other thing we got to point out john favreau just posted on his twitter account from about a week ago a picture of him and dave filoni together at skywalker ranch so for Ooh, all we point. know, he could already, I mean, they could already be doing post-production stuff on this. He could have been up there, you know, approving concept art designs or something like that. Or he could have just been hanging out with Dave and talking Star Wars and just kind of getting ideas going. We don't know. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know how long they've been in production on The Lion King, but I know it's one of those, you know, another one of those movies that is like heavily CGI. So I don't know if those kind of movies, if you even have like a, a typical like um you know normal production period schedule like you do on normal movies so i mean i i'm just saying i don't know how much his workload is spread out with that and how much he can do with star wars on, in the meantime um and you know i mean i'm sure he is going to be busy with that until it comes out next year but at the same time i'm sure disney really wants to get this star wars show going uh as soon as possible and i'm sure he does too if this is something that he's been working on you know, for years on his own and, you know, pitching this idea to them and stuff. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, I think celebration next year is when we're going to finally get a lot of details on this and probably not really much official stuff before then. Um, especially if the streaming service isn't coming out till late next year, which is a shame because I want those Clone Wars episodes like now. Um, but you know, um, I don't know. It, there's, it's all up in the air, and we don't know, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. But um, I'm very excited to see what he does with this uh, when we finally do get to see it, um, especially given these latest rumors that we've heard um, about the possible kind of setting and uh, you know theme of the show. Um, this is a report from Making Star Wars that we got. Uh, I think actually the same day that this report about the budget came out. Um, and they're saying, you know, they've got these, heard a lot of rumors from their sources that have panned out in the past, but it's still, you know, kind of rumor and speculation at this point. So kind of take it with a grain of salt, but they've heard a lot of rumors that the show is going to be set around three years after Return of the Jedi and is going to be focused on the planet Mandalore and kind of the, uh, restoration of Mandalore after the fall of the Empire, which is really cool because first of all seeing a whole show about mandalore and obviously getting to see mandalorian warriors in action and everything in live action is going to be super awesome but also that's going to have so many ties into stuff that we've already seen in clone wars and rebels and it's just going to be a continuation of that storyline starting all the way back with duchess Satine and pre vizsla and then stuff that we're going to get wrapped up in the final episodes of Clone Wars with the Siege of Mandalore, and we're going to see 
kind of the state that Mandalore is in at the end of the Clone Wars, and then, you know, you jump forward to Rebels, and we see the Empire takes over, and you've got all these Mandalorian super commandos that are siding with the Imperials, and then Sabine and her family, and the guys trying to fight against them, and then you got Bo-Katan with the Darksaber. Oh my god, I just realized we're going to get the Darksaber in live action. <laughs> ah! Potentially! 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 I'm forgetting my... Sorry, sorry, I forgot my grain of salt. Um... <laughs> <laughs> wow okay somebody else jump in because i'm just gonna uh, before i fly out of my seat all right well all right. it's <laughs> it's gonna be hard not to get excited about it because man like you said it's something that i didn't think the live action series would be just you know in my head speculating we were talking about the possibilities of what it could be once they got announced the idea of it being on mandalore about mandalorians never really occurred to me but now that this report came out i think it makes perfect sense for a lot of reasons. I mean, for, for the first right off the bat with John Favreau being involved, it makes sense that this would be an idea he had being that he played Free Vizsla and knew a lot about the Mandalorian culture as far as not only playing Free Vizsla, but I'm sure having conversations with Dave Filoni about it. So I'm sure it got his creative juices going and thinking of story possibilities. So just right there, the John Favreau connection makes sense. Well, I think it, that being set on Mandalorian about Mandalorians is a very likely possibility. And then also going back to the whole budget scenario and the Game of Thrones comparison, I think that would play perfectly into a show set on Mandalore. I mean, first off, like you said, Kyle, seeing more live action Mandalorian armor is going to be awesome. And I think a perfect way to sell a live action TV show to fans just to get them more excited, even to the more casual fans as well, as we talked about on previous episodes, just, you know, the iconic imagery of Boba Fett's helmet and the Mandalorian helmet is going to get a lot of people excited uh, to check it out. And it would, knowing that we're talking about the budget, they're not going to, you know, skimp on, skimp out on, you know, production costs and they're going to make it look as good as it can be. So, and this going with special effects and stuff too, if it's majority is set on Mandalore, I'm sure they might travel to other planets on certain episodes or certain seasons, but uh, this having like that 10 million budget be centered on uh, focused on a centered planet like Mandalore and you can have dispense that budget for like the Mandalorian armor and special effects for action sequences with them and their jetpacks and ships and all that and not necessarily have it be, uh, you know, a big monster like the Game of Thrones budget would go towards like creating the dragons and maybe like the White Walkers. You could use that resources for more, you know, smaller scale action sequences, not I shouldn't say smaller scale action sequences, but smaller visual effects, I guess, costs where you don't have to worry about those big gigantic creatures or tons of like different alien uh, creatures that they'd be battling. But it's just focus on like the Mandalorian armor and just again, going back to the Game of Thrones comparisons about different clans and families fighting for that, you know, rule over Mandalore mm -hmm. as the description and reports read about how it's going to be in a state of disarray after the fall of the Empire just as Game of Thrones was all about, you know, who's going to win the Iron Throne. It could be like that amongst the different Mandalorian clans. Who's going to be the new ruler of Mandalore? And I think that can make for some fascinating stories and TV watching. So, yeah, just uh, the different possibilities that you think about. And when you look at it, I just think it makes a whole lot of sense. So uh, I'm kind of expecting this to be the case now. Maybe that's wrong on my part <laughs> and just getting too excited about it. But I just think there's too many many things working together to make uh, this series be about Mandalore seem really, really likely. So, yeah, here's...
that that will be the case because I think it has the potential to be something really, really cool. Well, well, well. Mandalorians. I have thought about this for a while because it came out a while ago. And to be honest, I feel that this is probably the the best idea they could do for a series for a live action series initially to kind of test the waters because you don't need to go and have a bunch of ships flying around and a ton of CGI. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can really spend the budget and costumes and really, really make the costumes look legit and have lots of like that. Like you kind of talked about Tim, the whole idea of like, you know, fighting for a throne that we kind of seen in the end of rebels, which again, was very fitting. If Bo-Katan had the dark saber, that's going to be the symbol of them, you know, taking over. And I, and to be honest, I mean, I, I think I'm not the only one. I'm not the first person to bring this up, but Katie Sackhoff could play Bo-Katan basically at this time. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, she could dye her hair red and she's ready to go. I mean, so, I mean, there is legitimate possibility of, you know, having a real kind of Game of Thrones like thing for on Mandalore. And I think that it's enough, you know, where here's what here's the thing. Visually, it's money in the bank because and this is where I've been telling people online, you can market the crap out of this out of the show. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Star Wars, you can market anything. Right. But let's be real here. Rebels wasn't exactly selling like hotcakes for merchandise. I mean, well, it was never in the stores because they no one ordered any of it. And so when they did get some in, all of Star Wars bought it. But, you know, the only initial push that we got for Rebels was when it initially came out. After that, it was non-existent, right? So the one thing that people need to understand with this, if this is in fact a Mandalorian TV show, is the possibilities of just being able to put like different selling different costumes, toys, t-shirts. I mean, it is one of the most marketable ideas you could do in Star Wars, in my opinion. And I've said because Boba Fett is one of the most recognizable characters in Star Wars. You put Boba Fett on something, everyone, it's a household visual name, if that makes any sense. Boba Fett's almost a household name, but visually, you put that, you put a picture of Boba Fett, you discolor him, you say, who is that? Or what is that? They go Star Wars. They know exactly who it is. So think about having a ton of different looking Mandalorians on T-shirts, lunchboxes, action figures, digital games or, um, you know, phone games or whatever. You're talking about a huge, huge thing that you have not tapped into yet. I mean, like right now we're getting these things for the toys and or these for the films and, and they're selling they're doing okay but to be honest i feel like that you're gonna tap into something that star wars hasn't tapped into necessarily its full potential of why disney bought star wars in the first place yes they bought it because the movies make money but it's the marketing it's the all the you know the extra stuff you buy that that we all buy that you know collect all that stuff anyway but i feel that with the with this mandalorian t- proposed mandalorian tv show I really do think that this could be potentially a huge money-making market marketability uh, 
that they, they had not tapped into yet, or they haven't seen the full potential of the marketing that Star Wars has that you can really do. And I think that this could really, really be huge just in like, just on that alone. I mean, they make money on, on all this merchandise right now. It's just, I feel like this will be to a whole nother level because of the visuals that you, your family could sit down and watch. Kids are going to be drawn to it. I mean, let's be real. I mean, like it's costumes, you know, I'm me personally, I am drawn to characters in costumes. I feel Kylo Ren needs to be wearing his mask in episode nine. <laughs> From a story point standpoint, I understand that like Ryan Johnson got rid of the mask, which was a mistake. But anyway, um, but you know, there was nothing to market for his, for that, costume character they tried to market an unhooded kylo ren but that's really it there wasn't really you know if you look at one of the things that people criticize a lot from the last jedi was there wasn't really a lot of marketable characters like they were visually interesting like i didn't say there were, were any interesting characters in last jedi but from a marketing like toys and selling stuff like that like you know huxes and things like that they're not going to sell that well yeah as as a character that has a costume that looks like cool like or an alien kids and people like me i know i wasn't drawn to those characters i loved mask and i th think kids are the same way you put these mandalorians all over the place they're gonna sell like hotcakes there's no doubt about it and i just feel that if this is truly in fact about mandalorians they're gonna see a they're going to see a return on the marketing alone or the merchandise alone from this. So they're going to not, they're not, they won't have seen from the films. I feel that this will be a huge money-making thing for them just on the merchandise alone. Yeah. Especially with the older fans, because I mean, again, like you said, especially anybody that grew up with the original trilogy, like who doesn't love Boba Fett? And even for the people that think, cause I mean, some people think he's an overrated character or, you know, they're not that into him or whatever, but you can't deny that like that armor is cool and that Boba Fett makes for a cool action figure. Um, and so I think you're right in that regard, like just, you know, having a whole bunch of new Mandalorian characters, uh, you know, Bo-Katan with the dark saber and, you know, the, the remnants of the Imperial guys versus, you know, the, the new Mandalorians or whatever you want to call them. Um, it's just going to be so cool to have just different armor designs and, uh, you know, it's going to make for, you know, just some really cool action in the show, some really cool figures like you were talking about. And then not to make too many Game of Thrones references and comparisons, because I'm sure they're going to want to do their own thing with Star Wars. And, you know, they're, I, I mean, I'm sure they might look to that as far as like, just sort of the storytelling model and like what works, what doesn't work, but I'm sure they're going to do their own thing. They don't want this to feel like star Wars game of Thrones. But that said, if you look at the Mandalore episodes in clone wars and particularly, uh, I'm thinking of like shades of reason from season five, the episode where, uh, Darth Maul and pre Vizsla team up and they go back to finally take over Mandalore and, um, Maul and all his criminal underworld guys go in first and attack the planet, and then the Death Watch comes in to look like saviors, and they, you know, get Satine kicked out, and they capture her, and then Death Watch takes over, and everybody thinks that they're saviors because they defeated these criminals when Satine and her pacifist government couldn't, and then, you know, uh, Vizsla turns his back on Maul and he imprisons him and then Maul and Savage break out and they go to challenge Vizsla and then they have this epic duel that ends in Maul beheading Vizsla and everything. Um, 
that all feels like a Game of Thrones episode. Like all the political maneuvering and the backstabbing and the power plays and the just the intrigue and the drama and the suspense. And then, of course, the action with the sword fighting and the beheading and everything. It's all like that is a Game of Thrones episode in an animated Star Wars medium. Like and to have Jon Favreau running this show who worked on Clone Wars and voiced Pre Vizsla um and to just kind of think about like just sort of the the themes and stuff from those episodes and to think about um translating that to like a full season of a live action show just there's so many cool possibilities you can do with that and again i mean just the fact that it could tie in and continue storylines from clone wars and from rebels while of course you know introducing new characters and doing its own thing but taking place after uh, the original trilogy and just sort of continuing that uh, that storyline of Mandalore and seeing what those guys are up to, I think is going to be just super cool, super interesting. Again, trying to, you know, not get my hopes up too high right now because this is just a rumor at this point, but it's one of those rumors that just seems to make a whole lot of sense. Um, and it almost seems to make too much sense for me when I, like, when I first read this, I was like, are they just saying that because, like, it would be cool to have Jon Favreau do a Mandalorian series because he played a Mandalorian on Clone Wars, but at the same time, it's just one of those things where if it does work out and that is the way they go, um, it's just gonna be so cool and I think would be a perfect choice for them to, uh, to focus on, so, um, yeah, I can't wait to see if this turns out to be true or not, and, uh, if so, I think that's going to make for a really cool series. Yeah, as we're talking about it, it just almost makes too much sense not to do it at this point. Because <laughs> all the reasons that we were bringing it up, just from a story standpoint, a marketability standpoint, it just like it seems like a no-brainer now. The more we discuss it and talk about it, which I'm sure those at Lucasfilm and John Favreau did as well. So yeah, uh, here's hoping that that is the case, and I'm kind of expecting it to be at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much going to be it for the live action stuff. Um, and then just a couple more things to touch on. Um, we recently got an announcement that there's going to be a new Han Solo comic miniseries coming, uh, focusing on his days in the Imperial Academy, which was something that, uh, you know, the solo movie just kind of briefly glossed over. We see him get recruited into the Empire and then we see him like three years later when he leaves. But um it's going to be this new comic series all about his time in the Imperial Academy. So uh, that will be pretty cool to see, especially we'll get to see, you know, him uh, as a pilot at first. And then, you know, how he got kind of kicked out of that and assigned to being just a regular ground troop. Yeah, this, I was really excited to see this announcement. And uh, it's coming out in November as part of Marvel's November solicitations. And it's going to be, uh, I believe it's just called Han Solo and uh, Imperial Cadet. And like you said, it takes place in his time period with the Empire, which if I had like one of my few complaints of Solo was wish I could have gotten more of Han in his Imperial Academy days to see, you know, what it was like to be an Imperial pilot and just what exactly got him, you know, kind of kicked out of the flight academy, as he said, for having a mind of his own and it's becoming, you know, a ground trooper. But so all that stuff I'm excited to see play out and just get more into Han's backstory even than we got in Solo. So going to be great to get that after you know we watch the solo blu-ray a bunch of times <laughs> by the time this comic comes out it'll be the perfect continuation from that so yeah really looking forward to this one yeah this is going to be a really fun series I, I as people know i i am a giant fan of solo star wars story and i 
I love the idea there was a, a gap between him joining the Empire and him, you know, on Minban. So it's cool they're going to go and, and explore this in a comic book. I'm really excited about that. So, yeah, I think this is a, a great idea. I love the cover. looks great of, you know, this Imperial officer just throwing their finger right in Han's face and he's just kind of like leaning backwards. It's, it feels... It was a it, spark on his face. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, they redid it like... um they updated the cover. They made him smiling less, but it's still kind of a smirk. And she's, um, a, the officer herself is like, I don't know. She looks like it's like, uh, she's leaning. I want, I want to, want to say she's leaning in even closer, I think, mm. or she's kind of in the lighting. In the background's a little bit different. So they definitely modified it a tad, but still it looked great. I'm really excited. Like I, you know, Star Wars comics have been pretty much Darth Vader in the main series, and I haven't been as big into Afro, but this is like, I am totally all about this. This is, you know, and it's funny because I, I didn't even want to read the, the, the novelization or, or the comic book adaptation, and I may do all that for this, this movie. I love this movie, and if it gives me more tidbits from the film I, and the characters in the film, I may actually go and do that, which I wasn't I wasn't going to do that for Rogue One or um, definitely not for Last Jedi, so... I so little Star Wars story might has really got me into like the whole idea of these different novelizations and or adaptations, excuse me. So yeah, I'm all about it. Nice. Well, um, you guys know I'm not as much into the comics, so I might wait to see if you know one of you gives it a glowing review or something. If yeah. I have to check it out, but I am surely, there, I'm yeah. slowly but surely getting into those Vader comics that you guys keep telling me I have to check out. I've uh, I just got the second volume of that um yesterday so i i still have yet to start getting into that and actually you know what with the recent clone wars kick that i've been on uh since they announced that the show was coming back actually about a week ago i re i rewatched a bunch of clone wars episodes and then i started rereading the uh darth maul son of dathomir comic um so i'm i'm slow i'm getting there i'm getting into the comics a little bit but uh yeah i mean it, it definitely sounds like this should be a fun story for those of you who are avid fans of the new star wars comics um, and then the last thing we got to talk about uh, is an update for Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, the monthly update for August will be coming out this coming week. Um, and uh, just this past week, they released a new community transmission where they talk about just the new stuff coming up for the game. Um, so we're finally getting some new clone trooper skins. Um, and it's going to be the skins from the uh, the 41st Elite Corps and the 327th Star Corps. Um, and those are uh, like Commander Grease Battalion on Kashyyyk that we see in Revenge of the Sith, and then uh, Commander Bly and the uh, the clone troopers with like the yellow decals that were uh, Ala Sakura's Legion on Felucia. Um, so it'll be cool that we finally get some new uh, clone trooper appearances in the game. Um, they're also adding the uh, Nabu Palace hangar map. They're adding that for Blast and Custom Arcade. Um, that was previously just in um the uh, heroes versus villains and the hero showdown uh they've permanently added the ewok hunt mode it was one that was kind of um rotating uh every so often between like ewok hunt and uh jetpack cargo um and hopefully they still bring back jetpack cargo every once in a while because that one's fun um but they're keeping ewok hunt permanently um they're also adding an option to jump right into prequel era maps uh, so that'll be nice. I mean, it's not a, a playlist of just prequel era stuff, but it's 
I guess an option for like when you play Galactic Assault, you can just prioritize like start me on a, a prequel era map in the rotation, um, and then you'll still go from there and do you know the Galactic Civil War and the uh, the sequel era stuff and all that. Um, but it's nice that you can start on prequel maps because those are always the ones. I don't know about you guys, but like when I play, especially Galactic Assault and the big ones, I'm always hoping like okay, I want to you know I hope the next one is Kashyyyk or Kamino. Um, so it'll be nice that you can start with one of those. Um, and then lastly, they're, uh, going to be adding, uh, or they're going to be also releasing an updated version of that roadmap, uh, this week. And that was, um, you know, I think maybe a month or two ago, they came out with the first version of that roadmap, kind of detailing just all the content that was coming for the rest of the year and all the stuff that we're really looking forward to, which is like Anakin and Obi-Wan and, uh, Dooku and Grievous and, uh, the Geonosis map and all that kind of stuff. Um, we know it's just coming in fall and uh, winter of this year, but the updated roadmap, they said they're going to break down all the stuff for uh, fall and winter by month. Um, and so instead of uh, just fall and, dis or fall and winter, it should be like, you know, August, September, October, November, December. And we'll know exactly what's coming in what months. Um, and also, I think one of the developers said on Twitter that they are actually adding one new thing to the roadmap that wasn't in there before. Um, so one new, you know, piece of content that's coming in, he did say like, he didn't want to get people's hopes up too high. So it's probably not going to be a Coruscant space battle map that I'm really hoping for. But I think aside from that, I'm hoping that maybe like they're adding Anakin's Jedi starfighter as a new hero ship, um, along with the Anakin and Dooku update in the winter. So I don't think that would be too, too unreasonable to hope for. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe that ends up on there too, but, uh, very excited to see, um, you know what else they've added to it and uh when exactly we can be expecting to play you know this new prequel era stuff that we've been hoping for well i actually got a battlefront 2 update for myself i actually started the game up and played it this week <laughs> i <laughs> Which... refuse to believe this <laughs> i refuse uh, of course it was like at it's unthinkable night <laughs> but because i started it up after we saw this update announcement with the clone trooper appearances you know what i better pop it in and see where my credits are at just to make sure i got enough to buy these <laughs> when they're available so at this point i was thinking about like oh close to fifty thousand credits i think the apparent new clone trooper appearances are going to be 20 credit or twenty thousand credits each so mm -hmm. uh, i should be able to afford it but even then i just played a little bit of the custom arcade because i thought to myself you know what i barely even touched the maps of Kessel and Crate since those came out. So I just played a little bit by myself on the arcade map and just, you know, did a little bit of that and kind of finishing some of the hero scenarios that I haven't touched. So it was good just to play it a little bit. So <laughs> I, could, I couldn't remember the last time I actually started it up. So definitely looking forward to this update with the new clone duper appearances because, like I said, that's what I'm going to be spending the credits I do have on because <laughs> these look awesome. It's that little shot they have. Uh, that EA released of the two new clone trooper outfits. They just look really cool. And now I'm thinking, because we know there's going to be more clone trooper uh, custom updates coming uh, later on. So regard, depending on how much I play, it's like I want to get these two right away, but should I save it just in case they release like the 501st uh, design, like a Captain Rex style design or something that might be a little more to, you know, more of my favorite clone trooper looks than these two, even though these ones look awesome. So I don't know. I'll probably definitely at least get one, but we'll see where my credits are at by the time this comes out and if I'm going to purchase both of them. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I also, 
I was really excited to see that the Naboo Palace uh, hangar map is going to be on blast because I always thought that was a really cool one to play on heroes versus villains, not only in the hangar where uh, the queen ship is at, but going into, you know, like the reactor core where Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon had their duel was really fun to play. So I think that should be a really cool map to play on uh, blast. So yeah, some cool stuff coming in. It was just, you know, good to now get my feet wet back in Battlefront again because as you guys know, it's been a while. So hopefully next time when this stuff comes out, we'll be able, I'll be playing with you guys <laughs> and actually some multiplayer maps. Yeah, now we just need to get you in there playing a lot more so you can just save up a bunch of credits and then you don't have to pick and choose like what skins mm-hmm. you want to buy and whatever. Because yeah, I, so, I know. And what they said with the prices for the skins, it, they're so they're going to be three new skins for each of these looks. Um, so basically you, you, like the clone officers are going to stay the same, but they've got new appearances for the assault trooper, the heavy trooper and the specialist. Um, so there'll be two new appearances for each of those troopers. Um, and the appearances are going to be 20,000 credits a piece or 40,000 for a bundle pack of all three, uh, for that Legion. So you can get like the, the assault, the heavy and the specialist, uh, in, you know, the green armor or the yellow armor for just 40,000. So I'm probably just going to buy both of those because I think I've, I'm sitting on like 150,000 credits right now or something like that. Um, <laughs> nice. And then they also said, uh, the, the one other thing I forgot to mention, they announced the uh, the prices of the new heroes that are going to be coming out. So Obi-Wan, Anakin, Grievous, and Dooku are all going to cost 35,000 apiece to unlock when they come out. So that is really nice to hear because I, I know people had been worried that they were going to cost like 60 or 80,000 or something like that. Um, and, you know, when the game first launched, uh, you know, some of the heroes like Luke and Vader cost like 60,000 credits to unlock. And it was, you know, kind of ridiculous and took forever to get all those. And they eventually reduced the cost of those heroes. And then I think eventually just took the cost away completely. Um, but then, um, so 35000 is the same amount that it costs to unlock Lando's Millennium Falcon right now, which is the new hero ship they added from, uh, you know, the Solo movie, obviously. So it's nice that, you know, there's still a cost in there. They will still probably make some money from people that want to, you know, just unlock it with crystals, which is the purchasable in-game currency. Um, but for those of us who just want to, you know, save up credits and buy it that way, it shouldn't take too long to uh, save up enough credits. And, you know, hopefully we'll I know I'm sure for me and Paul, we'll probably already have enough credits saved up when uh, those heroes come out. So um, good to know that they're not going to be like charging us out the nose for those. Yeah, I'm I'm you know, I haven't played as much this last week because it was kind of busier with stuff going on. But I have been, you know, been able to play a little bit. I've got a lot of credits. I'll have everything ready to go to do the um the, all the clone troopers and I'm you know, by that time of playing with the clone skins, I'll should have everything ready to go for all the uh all the all the four new heroes. But yeah, I'm a little disappointed. I, I would hope they'd be a little a little bit more liberal with the with the with the different kind of clone trooper skins and having being able to use diff- the, the assault classes and the kind of how the basically I'm trying to trying to say is I want to be able to do the assault class the same as the, um, the heavy class. Cause one of the things that really irritates me now is that I want to be a Zabrek for the assault class, but it's only for the heavy. And I wish you could interchange, and vice versa. I wish you could interchange the alien skins for whatever one you want, but that hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. It's a bummer. But you know, whatever. That's that's my only major problem I have with it, to be honest. But I'm excited to spend money and and do all that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think. 
Well, obviously, I mean, the Zabrax and all those heads are for, you know, like the Rebels and the Resistance and stuff like that. But, um... Well, right. Yeah, I mean, I think the clones are going to look cool, though, because it'll be... I mean, you'll have different looks for each trooper, but it's all going to be kind of consistent with that theme of, like, that battalion or whatever. So, um, I don't know. I think it'll be cool. And then, of course, you know, they're they're coming out with two more, um, I think, two more different updates with cl more clone skins for the rest of the year. And I'm sure we'll get Obi-Wan's 212th battalion um, in the same update when we get Obi-Wan and Grievous. And then, uh, you know, we'll get the 501st with Anakin, I'm sure, later this year. So, um, that'll be cool to finally be able to start getting some new... Uh, you know, some new looks and updates on the clone troopers and stuff like that. Um, totally. But I think that's going to just about do it for all the news and stuff that we've got to talk about. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, Tim, what are our listeners saying on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff? Yeah, so we've got a couple of responses on the Resistance trailer. And first up, as always, put up a poll the same day the trailer came out to gauge what everyone's thinking about it so the options were loved it looks awesome looks good but not great still have to wait and see and lastly did not like it at all and you know maybe i shouldn't be too surprised with the, the reaction we we're talking about it but uh the results were leaning more towards you know on the negative side a little bit because coming in last at 19 percent was looks good but not great then coming in third was uh, loved it and that it looks awesome and then coming in second was did not like it at all at 24 percent and then the winning result was still have to wait and see at 36 percent so yes still at least the did not like it at all option one <laughs> even though it came in second there's some fans are still on the wait and see mode for it but um, some of the responses we got from it on twitter first up from paul stewart at mr peace two says i'm keeping an open mind about resistance and hope i love it as much as rebels and clone wars and then Michael at Jedi Obi Mike said, uh, first off, regarding the episode nine set photos, he goes, I think the set photos are either on Yavin 4 or Batu. And as far as resistance, or he says, I can't wait to actually see which planet it is. And as for resistance, it looks enjoyable. And then a couple of questions about uh, resistance that were asked on Twitter. Uh, first up from our friend, the Bizzle at the Bizzle 81. He says, um, how will continuity work with Blood Bloodline, the novel and the Poe comics? And if I remember right, Resistance should probably take place in between those two because if I remember right, Bloodline's like six years before The Force Awakens. Am I right, Paul? It was like uh, somewhere between I, there. I want to say it's... Um, I want to say it's four. But, but okay. this, is where, this is where it gets weird because I want to say Poe Dameron only joined the Resistance like right beforehand. Like, I don't think he's been on the resistance that long. Yeah, least. that's true, too. Maybe I got my timelines mixed up, and maybe they might retcon that. But I remember the Before the Awakening book, um, Poe had not really been on. the He had just joined the resistance with yeah. Leia. So, and it felt like he was, like, on the resistance, and they went right into, like, that trying to find Luke Skywalker or whatever. So That's a good I, point, because I don't remember too much of like the before the awakening time period. Cause I knew what you said. The main mm -hmm. story was Leia recruiting him from like him being part of just a Republic Navy. But as far as like how quickly that led into the force awakens, that's where I don't remember where before the awakening post story took place at. So yeah, it'd be interesting totally. if it is where you mentioned where they might have to do a little retconning here because we are getting a lot more stories in that time period with Poe, like when yeah. the comic, because the comic definitely leads right into the force awakens and mm -hmm. actually beyond it <laughs> right after Last yeah. Jedi too. So 
Yeah, so I think it's just safe to say it'll probably take place somewhere in between Bloodline and the current Poe comics. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm very curious what what's going to happen, like what with the timeline. But I I I was under the impression that that was the it was within four years of, of before the Force Awakens, but I could be wrong. Okay, yeah, it is somewhere around there. For some reason, six years stood out to me, but you know, <laughs> I'm have to double check that. And then Max Simmons at Trek uh, to Amsterdam probably has the most important question. He goes, will we ever get to see what's under Phasma's helmet? And, you know, we got a little glimpse of it in The Last Jedi before she sadly perished. So now that we got that little tease, I'm kind of wanting them just to go full-blown reveal what she looks like in Resistance. Let's just get a character model of Gwendolyn Christie and for Star Wars Resistance. And let's show, like, have a shot of Phasma talking to someone over like an intercom where she's going over some plans without her helmet, but then we see her put the helmet on. I mean, let's just go for it. Let's see what Captain Phasma looks without the helmet on in resistance. I mean, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah that I'm, probably would be cool. only, I'm probably the only one who's really hoping for that, <laughs> but I uh, just, again, thankful that we're getting more Phasma. Not holding my breath. I know, but why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it would be neat, especially if they really do decide to like, delve deeper into her character if if she has a similar role in resistance as she does in the movies where she's kind of just there like barking orders and stuff like then maybe not but if they really decide to kind of dig into that character which again these animated series tend to be perfect opportunities to do that um yeah i think that would be cool yeah i mean i mean if she has like if she's let's just say she's going to be the callous of this series, I mean, that'd be the perfect opportunity to far as exploring more later on down the line, like they did with Calix. Not obviously not have her <laughs> turn against the first order, enjoy the resistance, but have like one or two episodes where we delve into more of you know her motivations of what she uh, believes in with the first order, and yeah, that could be an opportunity to show her without her helmet. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm hoping. But like you said, Paul, I probably should have hold my breath on it, <laughs> but <laughs> the opportunity is definitely there if they wanted to go that route. So, yeah, that's it for the responses on this episode. And as always, thanks, everyone, for chiming in with your thoughts on Star Wars Resistance. It should be interesting to see what the reaction is once we all see (laughs) the first few episodes. So we'll definitely be asking to hear what you think about the episodes once they do air. Yeah, definitely anxiously awaiting till we uh, get to see that on the 7th of October. Um, But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the meantime. But, yeah, thank you guys so much for chiming in, as always. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts with us on social media and all that good stuff. Um, And, as always, you can find us online on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, You can follow us at Star Wars TSC on Twitter. You can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com. Um, and, uh, be sure to also check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the thunderquack podcast network. Um, but that's going to do it for us. We will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Goodbye.